Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Chaluminati Podcast, episode 178. As always, I am one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by today. Uh, you know who you are today, boys? Who? I was thinking about it for a little bit. I think you're just uh, you're Tim and Eric today. Okay. Tim and Eric of L.A. I'll right? take it. I can, I can relate to that one. I know them. I've seen some of their sketch comedies. And uh, Mathis is like an alien you know? inside of a human body trying to pretend like he's watched television before. <laughs> I enjoy these two gentlemen's jokes and videos with the jokes inside of the videos. And I have heard of their names and which I enjoy the sound of upon mine ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's Tim who's sleeping Eric, and walking. Uh, I don't know. Who's Tim uh, and who's Eric? I will be Tim. You'll be Tim. I'll be Eric. You know what? He has good wine. He has good <laughs> wine. <laughs> so, I, hey, shout out Eric Wareheim. So this is our first episode back from the live show. I was going to say, are we? Uh, hey, guys. Hey. Thank you for coming out for, to our Halloween live special. I did not uh, forget. Mm, hey, I will not thank you. Um, <laughs> there wow. was not a single redhead present. And I'm beginning no. to think that uh, you're all bad friends. <laughs> and more importantly, I'm starting to feel like maybe you did it on purpose. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm outraged. Not only, outraged. Not only was there honestly. no redheads, the Alex's big smile was a huge success. So like, I know sure I'm a lot of vampires. Honestly, out there. furious. Two things: <laughs> no redheads, big smile success. Mathis had a hilarious costume. One of the fun, and then Mathis, it broke, but it was still very funny. Mathis went absolutely insane. Mathis lost his mind. I thought I did, that, I that, that, did, that happened too. That happened as well. I thought that was the end of my career happening live on stage. <laughs> that was it. My jokes were too risky. Uh, uh, risque is what risque, they were. So sorry. No, nah, come on. Cryptid Smasher Pass was like a. Uh, that was that was better than I ever could have hoped it was. It yeah, was a was lovely so experience. Yeah, it was so much all fun. All sixty-one minutes of Cryptid Smasher Pass. I, that was supposed to be fifteen minutes. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> that was. Uh, I it was will great. say, like with all the shows we do afterwards, because I don't know, I have some weird connection to like the staff of venues. Yeah, dude. All again, these security guards, thing. like the old security guard, who loved it. Loved yeah. the show. <laughs> Made me feel Very good. Weird. I love that stuff. I was like, we every, got him. Uh, every we security guard on the way out was like, hey, that was a that was a great show. Great show. Yeah. And I, I know like, and I know that's real because I played in a lot of bands and I've done a lot of shows and I've never been thanked by a fucking security guard before for playing incredible <laughs> yeah, rock and Every roll single music. live show we've done now, that even the security was like, that was great. That was great. So you guys got to come out to our shows, man. We we like, please, we want to do more of them. They're so much fun. Yeah. Uh, and apparently people enjoy them. So and uh you know, just means every every Apparently. time I get on stage, I'm gonna get a little bit more unhinged, just a little, a little more. Bit more. No, please die next please time you're on stage. Your Can't head is going to problems. roll off of your neck next time you go on stage if you get any more unhinged. <laughs> I am bummed that I ripped the costume 30 seconds into. You came out so hype and it looked amazing, and then it all. And then I fell. The best way to describe this to people who weren't there is um, so he was in one of those costumes where it looks like it's an like alien is kidnapping you. Except yeah. <laughs> he ripped it a little bit. So over the course of like the first five minutes, the alien slowly just started like, to slump backwards. <laughs> he looked like he is just really tired. Like the alien took like one tab of Molly and it was like. <laughs> <laughs> his arms were loosely embracing me, oh, his head so lagging funny. to the side. <laughs> and it made me so sweaty. He looked like he was in time. bullet time. He was just like. <laughs> 
was it was great. There, somebody got a video out on Twitter of the dance Jesse did while you helped me get out of that costume after the hour. Oh was boy! Over. Oh boy! I would love to see that. Whoever you uh, are. Yeah, thank you guys, everybody who came out. We had such a good time. I can't wait to do another one. They're always such a crazy experience. Um, and uh, if you want to keep supporting us too, another big announcement is all of our new our new shirt merch has launched over on the Yeti. So go to it's the tight. TheYeti.com slash Illuminati. It is Air Hypnosis and the Magic 8 Ball. Uh, I, I think I showed you boys this earlier. Um, but if you're a patron. I'm literally going there right now. Yeah, yeah. If you're a patron, go to uh, you're a patron on Patreon and of the correct tier. Keep an eye out in your inbox. You're going to be getting a link so you can get this T-shirt for free as it is, always. It is so sick. I love this. Yeah, it's it. I it's hard to describe the style. It just is car, like almost eighties car like uh, comics. In yeah, a it, way. Looks, it looks very like yeah, like Nickelodeon. Yeah, villain. that's great. I, it's, Do you see it, Jesse? I'm looking at it right now. It's so cool. This is shout out. Uh, we shout have out amazing high, art team. high monster. High, yeah. high, high monster. High, high, high monster. monster. High monster. High monster. Yep. I'm a kind of um, a high monster too. Unlike our previous shirts, this one though will uh, though temporary will be running an extra month. Uh, so you'll have a little bit more time to pick this one up if you're you know nervous that the 30 days isn't going to be enough. Um, so you have a little bit more time to grab this one because the holidays are coming up and stuff. So a lot of shit is happening in the back end. So grab it while you can, and this one will eventually disappear like the rest of them. Though we are talking, I am talking to uh, the Eddie about, kind of like we did with the Mothman tee, um, reprints, but like variant reprints of different borders and stuff uh, for like the Chupacabra t-shirt. So keep it fresh. Stuff. Yeah, keep it fresh. So if you want keep five slightly different alternate yeah, universe yeah, yeah, Mothman exactly. shirts, you can have them all. <laughs> um, so yeah, keep your eyes out there. And obviously... Uh, the other place where you can support us, which I I, I thought you'd never I thought you'd never so get like, there. Patreon.com actually... pod. The finest website. You know what? If you came to the live show, you got the brand deal anyway. So it felt authentic. You know what I mean? Right after the big smile, you know what I did? I went right into the segue into into an ad for Chiluminati uh, Patreon. And I'm sure that I, I maybe that security guard signed up. You know? You know what else is you did? You had a please clap moment. <laughs> he yeah. really did. He did have that. Yeah, and you know what? Because I had to redeem myself, I like low key hurt myself really bad for like <laughs> seven right. hours. I love it. I love it so much. I like much. regained my honor by like putting my my hand up and kicking my foot like a cheerleader. Uh, like and a, then you were your body was like first hey, off, he totally 30s. did it. By the way, it was amazing. I actually he did, do did it. it. I earned the applause, and then I like had to like use zen like meditation to like not reveal how truly in pain i was for like the entire first half of that show and into the morning like honestly i, I woke up in the morning and i was like i can finally dude well function. i remember going back to your apartment and you're like i actually fucked up my leg for real yeah <laughs> i was like yeah yeah no that, was, you know where it was right. was like right like on the right side of my body like oof up and down my whole It was walk. a muscle you haven't yeah. used since 1994. Since <laughs> March 2020. Yeah. March 2020. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, it was great. Go to patreon.com slash Pod. Support us, please. It is uh, You are the lifeblood of the show. We very much appreciate it. Please. And uh, the holidays are coming, so buy 
people who love Chaluminati Pod a t-shirt. If they don't love Chaluminati, buy them a t-shirt and introduce them to the podcast. That or would give go. the t-shirt to someone who hates the show and fuck yeah. over their day. You know what I mean? Just fucking <laughs> I'm, mess I'm always up surprised how many people who've never heard of our show or show up at the live shows too. There's yeah. always a contingent of They're people who get like, dragged Which along. is surprising because it turns out you can bring your friends to the live shows, you sons of bitches. <laughs> 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 no, redheads were, ex were excluded. One redhead per theater. They probably, I guess that must like, be it. It must be one yeah. per. Who knew? Yeah, one per. Maybe so maybe the moral here is I'm the redhead I'm looking for. I think oh. I think that's the sad moral. I think you should just <laughs> I think you should just not throw the vibe out too far. Just let it come to you, my man. Yeah, you ever heard of, you know, you can't go looking okay. for the love of your life. The love of your life has to find you. She's out there, man. She's real. She's not just Jesse Cox in a wig. She's gonna be okay. You know, when you say it like that. Jesse Cox in a wig sounds great to me. Dude, I'll be honest. That's some Doctor Next, Who shit right there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Next I'm, Halloween live show, one of us has to dress up as Jesse Cox's dream girl. You know what? It wouldn't take much. It, uh, to Watson be honest, from Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's all. Yo, my my middle name is Joseph. You can call me MJ if you need to. You know if what? It helps get you through the night with me. <laughs> it will. That's a great it will not. It will not. Somebody needs to put that on the TV tropes about Illuminati that you can call Mathis MJ because his middle name is Joseph. <laughs> exactly. Mathis Joseph. <laughs> Mathis. Yes, Mathis is my actual name. Mathis Joseph. I'm, I'm, I'm having the hardest time rebranding to my actual name. It's like, I've been Mathis for a decade. It's like impossible to scrape off. You should just I do what I do can't do my it. cell phone, honestly, which is that you are Mathis Mike Martin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's me. And I adopt no, the name legally. Yeah, it's like KFC. Holy you just, shit. You Can we call you 3M down. from now on? Yeah. Triple M? Yeah. M3, M3, let's call him. M3, nope. M3. <laughs> yes. No, I'm and right. then we'll start a brand new podcast yeah. called We're M3. here. We've already done it. We've got it's it here. It's true. Goddamn, we did it. Uh, all right, boys. Enough distracting me. We have a topic to get to. It's been I two really weeks. don't want to get to it. I know. I know. I, I apologize for everybody who had to wait a couple weeks for the finale. This was supposed to happen last week, but, you know, full blame. I didn't like where the script was at, so I decided to take a couple more days to get it all polished up, and we couldn't get together before today to get it recorded. So you got a couple mini soda compilations. You'll be not seeing one of those for a while. Don't worry. Um, but today, gentlemen, we finally, finally, finally are able to finish part four of the Jeffrey Dahmer story. This is a definite trigger warning. There's traumatic events. Gore. This is the bad it's, one, guys. This, this is going like, to be the bad one. Episode three was really bad. Episode four is like two times as bad at the very least. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and I'll warn you ahead of time. I'm not going to sit here and like painstakingly go over every murder that this man commits. However, the couple that we will discuss are not pleasant, um, but I think are necessary to represent the immediate spiral that Dahmer had as soon as he was out of jail. His fault to the dark side, if you will. Yes, yes. Is uh. This somehow Dahmer returned, you know, somehow Dahmer returned because yeah, he is the emperor. Yeah. You know, he loves the emperor. Uh, this is his uh, Rise of Skywalker story right here. This Horrible. is the. the so, yes, yeah, so it's going to be very part. bad is what you're saying. Yeah, it's going to be awful. So if you don't remember, since it has been a couple of weeks, the last episode, we left Dahmer after having finally, uh, after many years, getting arrested and convicted for sexual deviant crimes, like masturbating in front of the kids who were the ones who were like, Having fun over there, mister? He was like, yeah, goddamn right. I'm having a good time. As he was like, Oof. just jerking it. Uh, like exposing himself. Yeah. <laughs> exposing himself at a county fair where he claims he was simply peeing. Meanwhile, 25 people saw him also furiously jacking off in front of them in the fair. 
and many, many more. At the fucking fair, dude? Yeah, man. This guy, again, D uh, Dahmer is not... admittedly, if anywhere that's going to happen, it would be at the fair. Even The county fair, <laughs> yeah. Not, not the fair. You're out there getting yeah. turned at the fair. I don't, I've never gotten horny at the fair, honestly. Uh, How many fairs you been to, Mathis? Because <laughs> I go to the Ren Fest every year. Does that yeah, count? That's a fest, that's not like a, a fair. A 40 okay, okay. I've been to like two county fairs, like the ones that kind of pop up for just a couple of days and then are Nothing. gone. I've never gone to a parking lot. Um, like a state fair? I guess fair? Called amusement park. Like a church oh. fair? Yeah, those like pop up yeah. roller coasters and like um, wheels and shit. Fuck that. I, I No way. I've never gone to one of those. That feels like you're risking your life. That's like a carnival, yeah. Yeah, that shit scares the hell out of me. Hell no. I feel like you would not would not come out of there. Um, and to, uh, back to Dahmer though, like after he got arrested, also keep in mind this was the first time his father found out that he was uh, his his son was gay, and his father took it weirdly stoically. Though whether that's the truth or not, we're not sure. Dahmer kind of like always moves past that moment where his father found out i imagine again being in the 80s and 90s at this point you know he just it wasn't particularly accepted how did Dahmer feel um, about being gay um i don't it's it's personal assumption at this point because he never seemed to blame or hate the fact that he was gay um he always blamed and hated the fact that he was a murderer at least quote unquote blamed and hated that he was a murderer he always talked about how he was so uh, regretful of his actions and he wishes that he could, you know, clean himself of the sickness of needing uh, this, but he never really, he always blamed everything else other than, uh, you know, he never really talked about, talked about being gay or hated or liking it. He just seemed to kind of accept it. And Did he just, ever like advocate for like gay rights or anything? like no, that? No, God, no, God, no. The, Dahmer was not. Want, not that they would want that endorsement. No, Dahmer was in the army, and that's about as political as the guy got. Guy got which we did talk about uh, last episode as well, where he was in Germany for a couple of years and all that shit that happened. Eventually, him being kicked out for being an alcoholic that couldn't keep it fucking together. Um, How do you and get that alcoholism he, in the military? That's crazy. The alcoholism started when he was fourteen in high school. Yeah, and it ran just, through his family. So it's not surprising at yeah. all. Um, so, it, you know, it seemed Dahmer, at least while outwardly, like I said, and in interviews, was kind of doing his best to maintain his urges and being regretful uh, and try to, like, put forward that well-behaved individual that he was, uh, you know, going to stay on the straight and narrow. He would then immediately strive out and get himself blacked out and get incredibly drunk uh, and do these heinous crimes because in reality he was a disgusting pathetic evil man when he pretended not to be on the out outside if he truly meant any of that we would have seen him put himself in an inpatient program or you know not try to weasel his way out of jail which he did uh and while he had yet to be caught for murder slipping by the police now two or three times he had at least finally been put in jail and was ordered to have multiple psychological evaluations put on him. And as we talked about last episode, each doctor came back with a report that essentially said the same exact thing. He's of high potential for danger and violence. Don't let this man out. He has a lot of very clearly deep issues. But regardless of the opinion of two separate medical professionals, Dahmer wouldn't even finish serving his already too short of a sentence for a year. But before Dahmer goes to prison, he still had a few days being free and decided that in this time he'd pack up the apartment he only just moved into 
and would move back with his grandmother for the days that he had free left before he would head to the corrections facility and end up beginning to serve his sentence. And in, and in an act that speaks more clearly and loudly about who Dahmer was rather than who he wanted to be seen Don't as or... fucking murdered someone. We'll get, we're getting there. Oh Whether who he wanted to be seen as or how the media portrays him or how even the interviewers of the 90s seem to treat him. With prison, merely, with prison looming merely days away, Dahmer once again decides that his urges, the drive to kill, had to be sated no matter the risk. My fucking God. Yeah, it's insane. This time, however, circumstances were very slightly changed. While Dahmer went out into his normal haunting grounds of his favorite clubs, this time out, he came up empty-handed. Nobody seemed interested, and Dahmer was declined multiple times, and eventually, dejected, Dahmer finally gave up and began to head home. It was on his way home that Dahmer was then approached by an attractive black man who clearly had an interest in Dahmer, and Dahmer, seeing this, uh, and Dahmer saw this man as one of the most beautiful men he'd ever seen. His name was Tony Sears, and he would be Dahmer's next victim. And after offering Dahmer cocaine, which Dahmer declined, they both got a ride back from Tony's friend to the corner of the block where his grandmother's house were. And Tony and Dahmer walked into his grandmother's house, went into his room, and spent a few hours doing what they always do and have sex. After they were finished and they lay in Dahmer's bed, the inevitable question spilled from Dahmer's lips. Man. When do you have to leave and can you come back tomorrow? To which Tony fatally replied that he would be leaving soon and Dahmer probably wouldn't see him again. So Dahmer, after that response, immediately got up, went into the kitchen, fixed a cup of coffee with uh, Bailey's Irish whiskey and, and the sleeping pills, seven of them to be precise, and fed it to Tony, or had Tony drink it rather. And once Tony had, within 30 minutes, he was passed out. And Dahmer quietly straddled and strangled him while his mother was in the other room getting ready for the day. And again, no prison is days away. And this guy just, like, again, this is, the, the actions speak louder to who he was than anything else. It the idea of drugging, knocking someone out, and then strangling them, bitch move. Bitch move. With his grandmother right in the door, one door over. Which well, is not waiting to go for, to jail for something that he swears he like wishes he could like purge from himself. Correct. As he, yes, exactly. But uh, his, and, but, yeah, his, his perversions as he called them. It's with this victim. We see Dahmer continue to, to give into that dark, twisted desires that were buried in him and the need to own and keep his victims with him long after death had taken, uh, taken his, his, uh, taken them with Tony. He treated his body much differently than he had treated the other victims up to this point. First, he would sever Tony's head, as well as his genitals, and store them in a bag before taking, uh, before going out to buy oh, a... Man. <laughs> store them in a yeah, 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 bag? Yeah. He stored them in a bag, uh, a little Ed Gein kind of feel here, before he went out to buy a 10-gallon tub, fill it with acetone, and leave Tony's head and other pieces of his body to uh, clean itself. As for the full body itself, after the head and genitals were placed in the acetone, Dahmer took a knife and this time instead of severing the body, began flaying the flesh off of the body instead, cutting around in the bone and trying to preserve 
the skeleton and the remains of his victim as best he could before finishing as he always did, which was taking what he didn't want and smashing it with a hammer into ash and scattering it into the woods. When the day came to head to the correctional facility, Dahmer was at an impasse. He wasn't ready to give up Tony's remains that he'd kept, but felt it a bad idea to leave it here in his grandmother's home. So, what do you think his solution was, boys? Give me a little guess. He wants the, the skull, the head and the genitals so he can come back to it nine months later and use it and save it and get off on it. Freeze it. Freeze it? That's your guy? He's going to put it in the freezer? Freeze it. I'm going to say... I'm going to say that he was a fan of uh, Pioneer Life and he salted it. Ooh, you, he went the Ed Gein route. Yeah. Uh, you're both wrong. <laughs> First, he spray painted both of them. Uh, and no, then... Not where my head was at at all, literally. He, nope, yep. And then he took both the genitals and head where at, at this point we're now slightly mummified looking thanks to the acetone they've been soaking in for a long time. And he bought a Samsonite cosmetic case placed the head and the genitals into that cosmetic case, and he took that case to his locker in the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory that he worked What? In. And he left it in his locker, where it would be left undisturbed for the entire nine months that he served in prison in the Ambrosia Chocolate Stop. Factory. Stop. Oh Dead God. fucking serious. Wait, they let him have, like, did he still have his job? He yeah, he didn't lose his job. Not yet. I can't even believe the, that. He's going to prison, uh, you know, but um, yeah, they, he, nobody opened his lock. I don't understand how that, like, how do you, there's no smell. I guess the cosmetic case maybe was like airtight. Like, I don't get it. It's a, it really was a different time. The Ambrosia <laughs> Chocolate Factory was like, don't worry, buddy. We got a, even though you're going to prison, we got a job for you when you get back. Don't worry. Yeah, it was a different everybody, time in America, Everybody jerks apparently. off in front of kids. It's fine. <laughs> I don't like, do you think there was like a stench in the like, Hey, Baba, should we open Dahmer's locker and see what's going on in there? Hey, no, no. Everybody has their privacy. No, no, I don't want to What the in... fuck is that? Open that <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, I would not overpower the smell of chocolate at some point. Maybe that's anyway. exactly what it was. They just Maybe. Like, mm, smells like chocolate. But does <laughs> the acetone kill off any bacteria that would have made that happen. You said it was mummified. You, how about how about you hang on? I have an answer for you. You don't do? worry. I can't I believe do. it. Okay. Yeah. I absolutely actually have an answer for you. Well, Dahmer went off to serve his prisons after storing the remains in the locker. And when Thanksgiving came around, the prison actually allowed Dahmer a 10-hour pass to be free and celebrate Thanksgiving with his family at the house. However, How often do they do another that? Is that a real thing? I don't think it is any, maybe, maybe it's like that. low, low, low security prisons, but maybe I'm just, this might totally be a, a remnant of that. the 80s. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, it was however, a different time in America. <laughs> it, yeah, again. Uh, however, in another example of no longer attempting any sense of morality or normalcy, only having 10 hours free, Dahmer decided to take this opportunity and immediately went to the streets looking for a potential victim time, at his favorite timeout. I'm dead. It serious. was that kind of like we're gonna let you just go. Yes, he had nobody following him, nobody watching him. Shut Ten hours, and he had to return himself to the correctional's facility. That's nobody came and picked him up. No, it was a self return. <sighs> it's it's fucking again, fucking crazy. <laughs> I understand this. Uh, 
So he went to Club 219, one of his favorite haunts, and there Dahmer met a, a, a white older man who was a, by the book, according to the book, much older than Dahmer. We do not have a name nor a specific age. They were chatting, having beers, which eventually moved to a stronger liquor, which I don't know if you boys are familiar with, I am not, simply called Yukon Jack. You know what Yukon <laughs> Jack is? Do they make Yukon Jack anymore? I don't is think they a, make Yukon Jack anymore. Yeah, is that a current brand? I don't even know. That's what they moved to drinking, which was supposedly a very strong alcohol. It's like honey whiskey Yo. that's like 50% or something like that. Yukon like Jack whiskey, you can get it total wine and more right now. I'm looking there at it go, right baby. now. You want to go drink uh, the drink that he drank on this night? Thanksgiving no, night? No, I'm all right. Isn't that what in it a is? It's like, it's like super strong honey whiskey. Is Yeah, it's apparently super strong, whatever it is. Um so nasty. However, after he started having drinks and schmoozing with this gentleman... In a bizarre twist of karmic fate, Dahmer passes out at the bar. Now, we're not sure whether Dahmer accidentally drugged himself or the older man was doing the same exact thing to Dahmer that he was planning on doing to him. That's I think the evidence suggests the latter, that the older man, the older gentleman was doing the same thing. That's fascinating because it does it is that weird space where Dahmer was thinking, okay, I need to just I got ten hours, I gotta get off and find some old man. I'll take anyone, it's fine. And the old yeah. man was like, This young kid's coming up to me? Oh my god. Like it is two creeps perfectly coming together to be ultra creepy. And I can I'm I this next part has me dying. I'm sorry. When Dahmer did eventually wake up from his drug induced coma. He was hogtied to a bed. Shut up. Being violently spanked by the older man. Shut this up. Is, this is like Be a fucking Sandman episode. This is like insane. Before being vi uh before being anally violated by a candle <laughs> by the old man. St. Thomas just waking up, getting spanked. Fucking the old man is just getting his rock. You off. feel like a normal human being would have said. This must be what it feels like for all those people that I've hurt. Boy, I have learned no. a fucking lesson here. The predator no. became the prey. And Dahmer, apparently upon waking and realizing, began screaming and crying out, thrashing, begging to be released. Dahmer said he screamed so loud, other people likely heard him. So he just had a meltdown. And the older man, not, not looking to murder Dahmer, stopped the activities and did untie him and free him. And Dahmer quietly scampered off the bed, quickly walked over to his clothes and got dressed before he quietly and simply just left and headed right back to the correctional facility, now five hours late for when he was supposed to return. <laughs> like, Dude. He's just fucking scampered at. And the best part, my favorite detail... As just like a fun side note, Dahmer wasn't able to get the candlestick out of his ass until the next day. What? Stop! <laughs> Stop! That is un. That is not fair. Or as the book put it, Dahmer was unable to evacuate the candle. I hate. I hate <laughs> that this is real because I like feel guilty laughing about it. I do too, but then you think about what a piece of shit he is, and I just I, just I don't feel guilty. I just can't believe it's like a movie plot point. 
man, it's just, it's like, it is, it's like a, a hangover plot point almost. Like you wake up and just it's, being spanked, hogtied. Like, like it's a terrible experience all yes, around. Yes, he got absolutely essentially just like raped completely. And it's, but he, that's not okay, but. It's, but it's like I what he does to other people and happened to him, and he would feel like somewhere cosmically, nope. this man would say, wow, that was terrible. I can't <laughs> believe I put people through that. And no, no. No, not even a little. That wasn't even a, a momentary thought in Dahmer's mind. He was being victimized. He's supposed to be in control. But it does show, his reaction does show how weak he is yes. as a person what where he pathetic. just puts his clothes on and leaves. Yep, exactly. Bingo. Uh, he did return. He didn't get punished for returning late. Um, they just took him back in and Dahmer would end up skating by the rest of his sentence until he was released on March 2nd, 1990, having been released a full three months early than he was supposed to. Nobody isn't is quite sure why he was let out early, the reasoning, but there are a few thoughts or things wait, that wait wait, wait whoa wait whoa wait possible wait the judge let him out yeah wait. the judge uh, let him out i keep here's the problem i have with jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> i keep thinking oh this is a different time it was a different age but i was alive during this you and i both were alive during we all were we, we were all, all were alive, alive during 90, this like 1990 we were all alive i'm this is all like, happening blown away that this is something that in my lifetime, they were like, let him out of prison. Like, yep. that sounds like some 1950s shit. Like, no. we're all going down to the chocolate factory. Like, no. it's blowing worst, my mind this was happening. This is all happening in the 90s from this point on, and it's insane. Um, especially with, like, what ends up happening afterward. So, yeah, they we, nobody's like, has a real reason to point at as to, like, why they were, the judge decided to be okay and lenient. But there are a couple of things that we know that probably led to the judge doing that. The first is Dahmer had written a very lengthy apologetic letter to the judge a few weeks prior. This is where he was talking about his mistakes and his desire to get himself right and actually get uh, healthy again. Oh, you mean lies. Citizen. Right, right, right. Yes, correct. Admitting that he knew he was sick and was uh, desperate for the help and couldn't wait to like start getting his life back what together. Do you, what does he mean? Is he saying that he is associating being gay with being sick. Is that what he said? No, he's blaming his alcoholism on his sexual perversions of exposing himself. Oh, okay. Remember, All he's right. being arrested for exposing himself and like jerking off in front of people. So he's just pointing at his alcoholism that has very real records from his time served in the military. Sure. Um, okay. So that, there's that. And then there's also what we know that Gary Parker, who is an agent from the Department of Health and Social Services, after having multiple meetings with Dahmer while he was in prison, suggested to the judge that he also be let out early under the condition that he serve a five-year probation instead. Uh, whatever the case, Dahmer was released and he was put on probation. Uh, and unsurprising to everybody, less than a month after being let out, Dahmer had gotten a brand new prescription of sleeping meds. But this time, instead of getting 30, he got 60. <laughs> Come on, man. Jeez. Yes. Right. Like right after getting out Can of prison. Can I ask a question? Under a Just month. like logistical question. Mm -hmm. He had three months to go, right? Yes. Three months. I Did believe he, it was, was a he full on, year. Would he have been on probation after those three months? I believe so. I believe he was supposed to take a year. Pro I, 
I'd have to double check that question. The knowledge on that so particular thing is like, a little. I keep thinking like, you know, mathematics. I don't actually know. I, I don't prison, think he was supposed to be on probation because he got put on probation after being let out. That's what I'm saying. Like, if I was in prison, I had three months to go. I might be like, I don't know. I've never been in prison. So maybe prison life is hard. I mean, I, I imagine it's hard life. But I keep thinking like, if I had three months to go and no probation versus five years of checking in with people and I yeah. was a serial killer, I'd be like, I'm going to do these three months. But maybe he's like, what are they going to do? Like, find the bodies? I, I have no clue. Uh, it's yeah. a fascinating question. I just don't know that we have the answer. Uh, yeah, it's a good I really, I feel like we probably do have that answer. I just do not offhand have the answer. I'm curious about that as well. I don't well. know why that's what I'm thinking. Like, if I was going to kill people, wouldn't I want to Like, what's the, the best way to... <laughs> I do, I'm starting to wonder that's maybe... where his head was at. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think if he was supposed to serve... Maybe he was supposed to serve two years, and he got off after nine months, but instead served like a five-year probation. Gotcha, that gotcha, might... gotcha. Okay, well, yeah, I was like, if he's three months to go, then I'd just be like, F it, I'm doing three. I don't want to report to anybody. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that makes, men agreed, that makes no no sense. Um, regardless of whether it was three months or a year and three months early, he was released early due to all those, like, uh, due to the letter and Gary Parker, who suggested it, and he got his brand new prescription of sleeping pills, under a month after being released. Also of importance to Dahmer, to answer your pri pri uh, prior question, Jesse, was his locker at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. Here we go. Returning to it, he had come to discover that the remains of Tony, specifically the genitals that had been spray painted to try and preserve them, had begun to rot, and the genitals specifically had begun to grow a strange mold on them. Oh my God, dude, what the fuck? I don't need you to, like, continue this. I would prefer to imagine you just threw them away. While this put a damper on Dahmer's desires, unfortunately, you. it didn't stop him from trying to come up with a solution to save and preserve as much of Tony How as he possibly you? could. First, he boiled and defleshed the molding dick. Come and on. then, with a scalpel, began removing the skin off of Tony's head, peeling it away. In the end, Dahmer preserved his skull and scalp later saying in an interview with the doctor that if he could have kept all of Tony forever, he would have. Actually, Tony became one of his favorite victims to Dahmer. Like, he really kind of goes back to Tony uh, a few times in interviews. I don't either. Just in the interview, interviews, he comes up. I hate that. Yeah. Well, now, free, now a free man, Dahmer once again desired privacy, and to disappear from most of the public eye was the goal. While last, last episode I said he moved into his infamous apartment, I was wrong. The apartment he moved into last episode was a very temporary one before getting arrested. It's here that we see Dahmer move into his infamous apartment, apartment 213, and truly let go of the reins of sanity. In the 14 months Dahmer lived there before being arrested, 12 innocent lives would be needlessly lost, and the police would let him slip through their fingertips time and time again. It would be literally five weeks of his freedom that Dahmer took his next victim. This is what I consider to be a Dahmer entering what is known as like a berserker phase of a serial killer, where there's no longer those long pauses, those long cooldowns between killings. And instead, he truly just lives this life now. This fantasy of murdering and keeping these bodies has become his one and only desire. And we see that and how quickly he starts putting the victims, uh, you know, uh, gathering victims and killing people. It's, it's horrendous. 
Uh, his apartment was minimal, of course. He had his bedroom with the bed and his living area and so on. And you can go look at many different blueprints and, and, and whatnot of the layout of Dahmer's apartment. But it's important to remember that Dahmer, if you remember, was also beginning to build a shrine and had begun prior to his arrest, getting that shrine together by buying a black, a big black table and the gargoyle statues that he sat on each side of them, if you remember, and the big dark chair that he would put in front of it that like completed that gothic look of his weird empty altar at this point. And all of this obviously made its way to his apartment. Raymond Smith would be the first victim for the altar Dahmer had built. After merely bumping into him on the, on the streets and offering him $50, Smith returned to the apartment with Dahmer for sexual activities. When Dahmer asked him to stay the night, Smith said it would cost more money for that, which Dahmer said he'd be happy to pay in the morning. What follows is the expected, drugged coffee, strangulation. As I said before, Dahmer was a product killer, one who wants the body but sees the act of killing as a necessary, if not uh, enjoyable, uh, action to achieve that, rather than the, the murder itself being an outlet for frust uh, sexual frustration like Bundy. And now with Smith's body and an altar, Dahmer now begins to truly live out his weird altar fantasies, taking Smith and posing his now lifeless body in varying positions on the altar where that Dahmer considered attractive to him and snapped multiple Polaroid photos. Amiibo and if you know anything vibes. about Dahmer, yeah. Yeah, if you know anything about Dahmer, the Polaroid photos became a huge part of just everything, and this is really where it starts. Uh, I mean, there you if you know or have interest in Dahmer, I'm sure you've already looked up that stuff, but like you can see pictures of the, the altar. You can see a drawing of the altar that was uh, done by Dahmer for the police. So there's ways to look at like maybe the setup without having to see the actual crime scene itself. However, now his new apartment was on the second floor and Dahmer was presented with a new challenge. The disposal of the body would be much more difficult in an apartment in the city. Moving into the bathroom and into the tub, Dahmer began the mechanical dissection of his victim, legs detached, arms removed, and so on, all to be placed in an 80-gallon tank that everybody knows now what it looks like from the crime scenes, that big blue tank tub that gets rolled out from, uh, from, from his apartment that you can see in the news articles and the news from the time. Uh, this maintained a boiling water, a mix of boiling water and Soylex. Do you know what Soylex is? No. No. It's used to remove paint from walls. So a paint thinner? Oh, yeah, another another God. like acetone paint thinner. All the body parts sat in that water Soylex mixture for about an hour. And Dahmer's so plan. Craved. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely gross. But again, we see him disappearing into his fantasy because his plan was to clean the bones and to keep the entire skeleton of, of the victim. After the hour, he poured out the boiling mixture and rinsed the limbs in the sink where the flesh came off in a, in a slurry-like mixture and all of it went down the drain. However, he quickly learned that the mix he had just used... Oh, God damn. I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, he quickly learned that the mix he had just used of the Soylex and the water was too strong and the bones became way too frail and after a week or two, a week or two of storing them, the bones themselves kind of turned into a slush. He was only able to keep the victim's skull, and he spray painted it, much like he had with the other body parts, while the rest of the bones that had become like the sludge, he flushed down the toilet. Just gone. Uh. 
Yeah. It's kind of nasty. It's gross. And it's kinda, weird. Yeah. You can, he's like, he's like doing these weird, like mad evil scientist experiments that he doesn't really know what he's doing, but he kind of like thinks, well, this takes paint off. So this will work. Right. And he just keeps playing with different ideas to preserve the body that he so is desperate to keep. His next victim would only be four weeks later, a man by the name of Eddie Smith. The story of their crossing and, un and his unnecessary deaths is the same that I'm sure you're familiar with with Dahmer's patterns by now. As was its previous victim, he posed the body after death, took photos, and attempted a different way to preserve the skull and head because the last time was a failure. This time, he decided to place the decapitated uh, skull of Eddie into his oven and heat it up to 120 degrees Ugh. in an attempt to bake the flesh off of the skull. That's so he could keep it. What the Which fuck, makes dude. <laughs> no sense. I don't understand how that's what you think you're going to do. I don't, again, I, there's no like, thought. Like cremation? It's... No, because he wants the skull. He doesn't want to dust. He wants the skull to, the, the, the flesh to kind of cook off of the skull. It is literally like childlike. Murder, troubleshooting. Like he yes. doesn't have an answer. So he's trying different things and it's so messed up. Like, yeah, I, and he, he, it, again, it's also, like I said, I kind of feel like it has almost like this, like him as a kid, remember he experimented with bones and stuff as a kid. It's that same weird childhood fascination with the leftovers of, of his victims that he had with the animals and all that stuff. Very, very weird. Uh, so obviously this didn't work. Um, he was uh, having a hard time preserving the skull and it didn't take long as the skull, the, the, the head being popped into the oven for him to actually hear a loud pop and to go over to discover that Eddie's skull had exploded in the oven and all that was left was fragments of bone. This is literally a fucking TV show about a serial killer. It's like Emily goes to Paris or whatever that fucking show is, except it's about a serial killer. And it's... We, again, another weird look at the way he thinks, too, because nothing could be salvaged. He could save nothing of his victim. And he would later lament multiple times that it was such a waste to kill Eddie Smith because he couldn't preserve the body. And since he couldn't preserve the body, it felt like a waste to have even murdered him in the first place. Which, again, gives you insight to his weird, selfish way of thinking. And all of this was happening while Dahmer was attending probation officer meetings and attending court-mandated group therapy. It's nuts. The next event... Fucking yeah, so group I, therapy? I, I, yeah, he was going to group therapy. Imagine that for his alcoholism group therapy And his class. weird sexual deviances. Therapy with Dahmer? Therapy with Dahmer. Imagine seeing that oh, and I just want groups. you to be aware that he's also going to uh, a different bathhouse now where he's still getting laid, like regularly by people he's not murdering that are just not doing it for him. So let me, let me just like ask a crazy question. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's picking up dudes for money. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to assume, were those guys uh, sex workers? One of them was, they one was just... a sex worker. Another one he had offered to take photos of for like that, sure, that sure, whole sure. excuse. And then so, he's but going it's to, a mix. He's it's going to like down low bathhouses and shit. Mm -hmm. So like all of this is just... Another example of when you like really try to force a group of people underground and you try to like make things like immoral and awful and stuff that 
it's still going to happen, and it's going to allow people like this to take advantage of it, is kind of the vibe I'm getting, and it seems to be the vibe through history with all this yep. shit, and so just, the big takeaway for me is that, I'm like, oh, right, right, okay, well, we're just, yeah. when you force people to be live in secret, worst. it allows crime, like, murderous and, and violent people to blend in and get away, and because abuse the cops that. are just yeah. like, nope, and then, nope, nope. And if you don't care and you're happy that they're like under, like well, they aren't interfering with my life, then yeah, you you don't care enough that you allow a man who clearly does this shit to go on like furloughs and sit in group therapy and lie. Like, oh, it's so aggravating. It's yeah, aggravating is a fantastic way to put it. It's all very, very fucking aggravating. Um, and to that point, this next event is actually like another great example of it because Dahmer would attempt a meeting two weeks after his last murder. We have now gone from four weeks to two weeks in two kills. It just he's he's just rapid firing. He's, I'm surprised he isn't at the meeting picking a target at the meeting. I mean, good question. I mean, yeah, I I'd wonder if that's part because I do wonder what the reason is. Maybe he wasn't attracted to anybody there. I don't know what the maybe reason he just is. took that shit serious. Maybe he was just like maybe <laughs> super serious about getting over his alcoholism. In a weird... Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. What, like, it's weird. It's weird. This particular person by the name of Pinay uh, actually once again got talked into coming back to the apartment with Dahmer on the uh, uh, under sex work uh, obligations or not obligations, but under the, the guise like, of sex the work agreement. is the way I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh -huh. For whatever reason, things didn't go so well. And Dahmer realized very quickly that this man was stronger than Dahmer. The man wanted to leave and Dahmer didn't want him to. However, he had no sleeping pills at his disposal at this point. So he tried to uh, convince him to stay, but Penane decided not to and left. However, he would return again after Dahmer would call out to him and offer him more money. And he came back and walked back into Dahmer's apartment. Uh, it became very quick, uh, became obvious to Penane very quickly that Dahmer was uh, being more distant, got more awkward, and he became uncomfortable once again saying he was going to be leaving soon. And that's where Dahmer made a decision to try and keep him here. Dahmer grabbed a rubber mallet, snuck up behind Panay, and swung, hitting him directly in the head. <sighs> However, Panay did not go down, still awake, and began fighting back. So much so that he was able to overpower Dahmer and escape again. Dahmer, again, uh, sat there dejected, had luck on his side as there was a knock on the door not too long after and it was Panay again who had forgotten to take the money with him and wanted the money. For whatever reason, he went back inside the house after having been clearly attacked by Dahmer and he sat down and relaxed and we don't know how but Dahmer somehow convinced Panay to get his hands behind his back and tie them and he did. Which is fucking crazy to me. It reminds me of John Wayne Gacy and his weird ability to convince people to see a weird handcuff trick that then got them killed. But when he tried to take kill Panay again, Panay was able to fight back again and break free. Dahmer begged him not to say anything, offered him $200 and let Panay leave. The only thing that we know uh, about Christ. Dahmer's thought process, process on this is that Dahmer said in later interviews after being caught that for some reason, he just couldn't bring himself to kill him. Yet, and, and I mean, there, there's 
some facts there. There was opportunities for him to have snuck up behind him and kill him. Um, though but Panay did fight back multiple times. It's just, it is weird that Dahmer seemed to be okay letting him go. And uh, it's 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 one of those uh, one of those moments like how John Wayne Gacy had his victim that he hit with the car, but then and and they got away a couple of times and eventually he just let them run off. It's just weird. Like the, you're not sure why they're like kind of half trying, half not trying. Is it that he didn't have interest in this guy? Is it that he uh, he didn't have the strength, the one up on strength, and he felt unable to take control like he wanted? I don't know. It's interesting, though, and it's something that I, I wish I had an answer for, and we will just never have that answer, but it's a bizarre instance. I think something went down differently than he says. Yeah, it's very possible. Um, the thing is, to, to Jesse's point from earlier, Panay immediately went to the police afterward, despite Dahmer paying him and begging him not to. He could give him direct directions on how to get there and had an, uh, a a very legal charge for unlawful detainment inside Dahmer's apartment. And after telling him about it, and this is not the first time people have had weird reports about Dahmer over the years. Guess what the police did? Oh, let me just tell you, nothing. They didn't follow <sighs> up. They didn't interview. They didn't even go to Dahmer's house or apartment. They did absolutely nothing. And because of that, Dahmer was allowed to continue taking victims. The next was a, a boy by the name of Ernest Miller. Miller was a dance student whom Dahmer encountered outside of a bookstore. And according to Dahmer, he was once again, especially attracted to Miller's dancer body physique. This is where we see Dahmer take a different murder uh, method. For whatever reason, he wasn't able to bring himself to strangle this one. There was perhaps another fight. Again, the details change depending on the source. What we do know is that this is the only kill that murder uh, that Dahmer used and murdered by slicing someone's throat. In fact, he hit the carotid artery and made a huge mess everywhere. Dahmer looks back at this kill and is also lamenting, kind of regretful about it, saying that this wasn't supposed to go that way and he didn't have a taste for slicing <laughs> someone's throat. It took too long and it was too painful. He saw strangulation as like the most humane way that he could take what he wanted while not hurting them too much, even if it meant literally killing them. To him, they were strangled in their sleep, so it doesn't really matter, I guess, to him. I his guess. Weird thing. It's just... Like, it, it, in, in Dahmer's mind, like, that's, yeah, like, like, a little trick he process. figured out to, like, make yeah, himself Yeah, it's, it's a way guilty. he rationalized it to himself. Um, after uh, the body was... After the man had been killed, the body was dismembered in the bathtub with Dahmer storing his entire skeleton this time. He was able to actually preserve the skeleton using another mix of, of uh, Soylix and water, but a one that I think was more water heavy, and it actually worked. And after getting the entire skeleton cleaned out, he stored the skeleton in a bottom drawer of a filing cabinet. And that's where he kept it. Very similar to the bones as a child where he always said he wanted to put them back together but just kind of kept them in a pile on his desk, never getting to it. As far as the heart, liver, biceps, and portions of his thigh were all put in the freezer for later consumption. Dahmer would continue his experimentation within cannibalism, Ugh. starting with Ernest Miller. Just... And when it came to eating the heart specifically, Dahmer spoke of how eating the heart made it feel like he had a part of them with him always. Which kind of 
as we talked about in the last episode, he was very into the book of like death rituals of other countries and stuff. And, and it's nothing new. Stuff. It's happened in the past before. They would eat hearts on purpose. Yeah. Uh, his next kill would come 20, uh, sorry, not 20, uh, 22 days later, a man by the name of David Thomas, not the founder of Wendy's, encountered Dahmer near the Grand Avenue Mall. He was lured to Dahmer's apartment on the promise of money for posing nude, which was typical for Dahmer. Once a laced drink had rendered Thomas unconscious, Dahmer decided for one reason or another that Thomas wasn't his type. Nonetheless, he still strangled Thomas taking Polaroid photos of the dismembered uh, of the dismembered body in the process, and no remains of David Thomas were ever found. There we would see a two-month cooling-off period before February 18th in 1991 now, where his next victim, Curtis Strouder, who was 17, was approached by Dahmer as he waited for a bus near uh, Marquette University. Dahmer lured Strouder to his apartment where the youth was drugged, handcuffed, and strangled, before being dismembered in the bathtub where his skull, hands, and genitals were all retained by Dahmer. April 7th, after another couple months, another boy by the name of Errol Lindsay, 19, the first victim upon Dom which Dahmer practiced what he later described to investigators as his drilling technique. Everybody who probably knows this Dahmer is, is familiar with this. This is the worst thing ever. This is, is the biggest it's bummer of this whole shit. Another weird moment to, to look at his psyche where Dahmer, not knowing anything that he's doing, believes himself to be, or at the very least, capable of inventing scientific methods to create love zombies, essentially. This drilling technique was a procedure where he drilled holes into the victim's skull and then injected hydrochloric acid directly into the victim's brain. According to Dahmer, uh, Errol Lindsay awoke after this practice which is crazy that he didn't fucking die and had to be re-rendered unconscious with another drink laced with sedatives. And then having realized whatever he was trying to do wasn't working, Dahmer then strangled him to death, flayed his body, and retained the skin for several weeks. His skull was found during the arrest. So he maintained the skin and the uh, skull. From April to May which is crazy because now we, we went from April 7th to May 24th, and then we'll have another victim immediately after on May 27th to see just how quickly he's doing it. On May 24th, Anthony Hughes, 31, was uh, lured by Dahmer to his apartment. Once again, photographs for nudes for money. Uh, Hughes was deaf, and he and Dahmer communicated using handwritten notes. He was strangled, and, and his body left on Dahmer's bathroom floor for three days before he would dismember it with Dahmer photographing the dismembered process, his skull was retained, and he was able to be identified via dental He records. treats bodies like I treat my socks. Yeah. A product like it's killer. it's so yep. messed up. It's like, oh, that's shit, that one was like down the side of my bed. Oh, shit. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Here's my one shit yeah, that's that a... I like leave by the door as like a doorstop sometimes. <laughs> it's awful, dude. It's awful. Now, this next victim is the one that I think everybody is familiar with. On May 27th, a boy, 14 years old, named Konrak uh, Synthasphem, uh, synth God, I, I had it last time. Synthasm, phone, Synthasm phone. Uh, I will copy paste it so you know I'm not crazy. Um, if that you. last name sounds familiar, it's because last episode we talked about that boy's uh, 
younger bro uh, older brother who was also a victim of sexual assault by Jeffrey Dahmer. That's insane. I know. He uh, he's know, the right? younger brother of the boy who was assaulted. That was in 1988. So we are now three years separate from separated from that. My God. I know. It's fucking crazy. This young boy was drugged and like the previous victim to only two days prior. You can clearly see Dahmer has an idea in his head and he's trying to make it work. This young boy also had a hole drilled into his head and had hydrochloric acid injected into his brain before Dahmer left the youth unattended as he left the apartment to go purchase some beer for himself. When he returned, he had discovered, much like the previous victim, uh, that he the, bo the boy was naked and disoriented, wandering the streets, with three distressed young women desperately attempting to assist him. The police had already been called, and they arrived. This is and Dahmer, to me. I, it's fucking crazy. And after the police arrived, Dahmer persuaded them that he and the boy were nothing but lovers and that the youth was simply just way too drunk. When the police left with, uh, when the police the left, man the not, he has a hole in his head. Yeah, it's, it's hard for them to see because it was, a, it was a drilled hole probably where there's hair. Like, it's crazy. There's no uh, blood? Yeah. They showed, Dahmer showed the police the nude photos he had taken of the boy, which really grossed out the cops. And they were just like, ew, no, I don't want you. Wait, yeah, wait a minute. Hold on. This kid's 14. This is the 90s. Like, That's still legally. Doesn't matter. No, they seriously, and they knew this and he was clearly a boy. That's and like they he showed him nude photos and they were just like, fucking gay people, bro. Go do what you want. And Come they just like left the boy on, alone. Man. I know. That's this is what the just, fourth or fifth time. It's the last. Supreme. Remember, he got reported recently. Like it's nuts. Supreme. And I want you to know that as the stench in the apartment began, calls to the landlord from others had been made multiple times, and the landlord just didn't do anything. But you kind of keep in mind too, the landlord was more like a slumlord than anything. It was very poor, breaking down apartments, and he didn't want to have to pay for according to him, like sewage, you know, like breaking sewage and all that shit. So he just never bothered ever investigating what the scent, the stench was coming from, uh, from his apartment. I, so not only are we having a failure of police, but a failure of the owner of the place where this man's, I feel up. like there has to be some sort of like societal failure to, cause I don't, he isn't, I mean, I don't know, but it, is he going up to like one person and saying, come with me and they're agreeing instantly or are there people he's approaching and they're like, go away, weirdo. A like, little bit of A, a little bit of B. Um, he both kind of happen, but it's the same story. But no one was like, works. there's a guy in the community going around propositioning people and we probably should do something about that. Like there, there, whatever rumors there were that were out there were not prevalent enough. And again, because the people he's killing are gay men. Rumors, there's like witnesses. Uh, the bathhouse let him stay there until the ninth drugging. You have to keep in mind, nobody was willing to talk about it because at the time, ninth, like, nobody was going to well come help drugging. them. drugging? Yeah, like, but, they, but the thing is, while it's awful that Dahmer was drugging, he wasn't the only one doing it. It's just, that's just, he was just doing it a little more excessively than the rest of the people. Um, it's just the... The, 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 the victims are kind of referred to as the less dead because they're victims that the cops don't care about. Not people that they view as worth investigating and that's just the unfortunate truth of the 80s and the 90s especially when it came to uh gay men and women it's just they were just ignored and that's what happened here 
the cops left him with Dahmer and brought him back to their apartment. And Dahmer again injected another dose of hydrochloric acid into his brain. This one would end up proving fatal. Dahmer att was attempting to create uh, essentially like a, a fuck mindless zombie. Yeah. fuck zombie that would listen to his every command, do exactly what he said, and never left him without truly having to kill him per se, only just creating kind of a brain death. Why or where he got this idea, why he thought just drilling a hole and injecting some hydrochloric acid would create a fuck zombie, I don't know, but that's just where he it's went. It's like comic and book logic. It is 100% comic book logic. And remember, he loves the emperor. Now, speaking of the emperor, at this point, his apartment had kind of become his temple. Oh and my God, I didn't even think about it. He's trying to make like a fuck Vader. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even think about this shit. Yeah. Oh there was a new God. movie. There's a new movie that he was playing in the background to his killings. The Return of the Jedi, while still a favorite of his, had taken a, a backseat to his new film that he would play while he murdered The Exorcist 3. The Exorcist 3? The Exorcist 3. He had, he was much like Return of the Jedi, played on repeat and was always playing in the background while he killed his victims. He loved The Exorcist 3. All right, so I don't yeah, know why. So maybe I'm not going to be taking my movie <laughs> recommendations. I got to see the first one before I can see the third one. Yeah. So uh, honestly, gotta, you, you probably watch. don't, but okay, that's fair. Yeah, so uh I don't want his movie tastes weirdly playing into it. His at this point, his altar had photographs strewn about it, skull caps from his victims laid upon it, candles, the gargoyles that guarded the side. And his apartment was more of a temple at this point. He was living in a essentially totally separate reality. In his fantasy world, when he stepped through those doors and he stepped into his apartment, he was now living the world that he had always concocted in his mind. And much like many serial killers, he was getting lazier and lazier, feeling himself untouchable, unable to be caught. Nobody ever came after him. Every time the cops were right there, it simply took a sentence and they left him alone. He truly felt he was becoming untouchable. After this particular death, much like the others, he retained the decapitated head and dismembered and put it in the freezer while dismembering the body. A week later on June, uh, a month later rather on June 30th, the next victim, Matt Turner, who was 20, uh, was attending the Chicago Pride Parade. At a bus stop, he encountered a uh, he encountered Matt Turner at the bus stop and persuaded him to accompany him to Milwaukee, where he would do a photo shoot once again. Turner was drugged, strangled, as always, and dismembered in the bathtub, and his head and internal organs were stored in the freezer, and his torso subsequently placed in the very famous 57-gallon drum that Dahmer had purchased on July of the previous year. July 5th, a week later, Jeremiah Weinberg was the next victim, who was only 23, met Dahmer at a gay bar in Chicago and agreed to accompany him to Milwaukee for the weekend. Dahmer drilled through Weinberger's skull and injected boiling water into the cavity this time instead of hydrochloric acid, hoping that this would work. He would later recall that Weinberger's death was, an, uh, was to be exceptional as he was the only victim who died with his eyes open something that, for some reason, Dahmer made very particular note of. Ugh. I hate he every detail that he points out. I know. It's very bizarre. 
Weinberger's decapitated body was kept in the bathtub for a week before being dismembered, rotting and smelling everything and creating a horrible stench throughout not only his apartment, but I imagine the apartment complex. And his torso, much like the previous, was placed in that 57-gallon drum to disintegrate. Uh, that drum is now being used as a way to remove bodies and remove evidence as for the bits of the bodies that he couldn't keep anymore because Dahmer was running out of room. He was running out of room to keep the things he wanted and uh, he had to get rid of these things and the drum was his answer. On July 5th, Jeremiah, uh, I'm sorry, on uh, July 15th, Oliver Lacey, 24, who was a bodybuilding enthusiast whom Dahmer enticed to his apartment on the promise of money for <gasps> posing for photographs as always. Lacey was then drugged and strangled with a leather strap before being decapitated and his head and heart being placed in the refrigerator. His skeleton was retained to adorn one side of the private shrine of skulls and skeletons. Dahmer was in the process of creating when he was arrested, not one week later. Again, we're very rapidly going through these. Um, and the very last victim would be on July 19th of 1991, Joseph Braidhoff, who was 25. He was a father of three children from Minnesota who was looking, to work, uh, looking for work in Milwaukee at the time of his murder. He was left on Dahmer's bed for two days following his murder prior on July 21st being decapitated. His head was placed in the refrigerator and his torso was placed in the 57-gallon Heavy drum. duty. That is the list of victims. I, I you know, kind of wanted to get through that as, as quickly as I could. I'm going to send you boys. Uh, did I Have I shown you boys? <laughs> I don't need the, pictures. I'm good. No, no, no. Just like the drawing of the, of the altar. Have I sent that yeah, to you before? Dude. I think I don't know if you sent it to me on on microphone or not. I I know you showed it to me, but I might have been I'll, when you yeah. Were I showed it to you house. in the book. Yeah. I'll simply just send you a I, quick. I also need to add for the record, um, <laughs> through Twitter, the plot of the movie Exorcist Three is yes. <laughs> so bedonkers, skippable that it is. Skippable. I just want to point out for the record, it it takes place in 1990. So when he's out. It is about a, a serial killer who has become a ghost that inhabits bodies and then kills from beyond the grave in those bodies. That's the plot of the movie. So I don't know what the hell he would. Uh. Oh, and by the way, this is the, this is I'm not going to say best part, but this is the part that stood out to me the most. Um, the serial killer is controlled by his master. <laughs> the course. master being the 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 demon from the first movie, but like I bet you, I in this bet case, money, that's some like, emperor shit. Because he always talked about you know when he did the killing as like his dark side and like you know he a different person almost. Yeah, I bet you he saw. It's weird that he he related to the emperor and his favorite movie was Becoming Evil by Possession. <laughs> this shit looks um, like fucking stick death, dude. Yeah, so I sent the boys a picture. You can yeah. see the layout of the as though you were facing it. From the front, from behind the black the push throne. chair, yeah. the black plush chair, rather. Sorry, the black plush chair he has written. This is drawing. This is a drawing by Dahmer himself. Plush. You have the two skeletons on the left and the right. On the black table is a row of skulls of his victims and Polaroids. And then there's like a weird uh, blue light candelabra type thing that's very ornate. Uh, it's very nerdy. It's extremely dorky and extremely. Imagine, it'd be the nerdiest shit if it wasn't. I was about to horrifying. say, imagine some dude on YouTube's background, but skulls and <laughs> shit. It's roughly the same. I mean, yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. I uh, you can look you can look it up. This easily found out there. 
Um, it's crazy. And he was, he had accomplished this. He had made, he had a skeleton that stood to the side. It was nuts. But this was the final victim of Dahmer, thank fucking God. And on July 22nd, 1991, Dahmer approached three men with an offer of a hundred bucks to accompany him to his apartment for what else, but to pose nude three photographs, men? drink. Yeah, three. He got really, uh, he got really ballsy, I guess here. Um, to, he invited them back for to take nude photographs, drink beer, and to keep him company. One of the trio, 32-year-old Tracy Edwards, agreed to accompany him to his apartment. And upon entering Dahmer's apartment, Edwards noted a foul odor and several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor, which Dahmer claimed to use for cleaning bricks. You know, when you clean bricks. Well, yeah. You know, yeah, when you do your brick, brick cleaning. Clean collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. imagine being one of the victims and walking into that apartment and immediately being hit with a stench of rot and seeing what I can only imagine is horrifying displays everywhere. Just the biggest bummer you can fucking imagine. <sighs> After some very minor conversation upon entering the, the apartment, Edwards responded to Dahmer's request to turn his head and view his tropical fish, whereupon Dahmer very quickly while he was uh, distracted, placed a handcuff upon his wrist. And when Edward asked what's happening, Dahmer unsuccessfully attempted to cuff his wrists together. So Edwards reacted much too quickly. I imagine he was, again, no sleeping meds. He's getting very bold. He was just like went for it. And then he told Edwards to accompany him to the bedroom to pose for nude pictures. Edwards did not apparently see this attempted handcuffing as a problem and they both went into the bedroom and while inside the bedroom edwards noted nude male posters on the wall and that a videotape of the exorcist 3 was already playing he also noted that the, the he noted took note of the 57 57 gallon drum in the corner from a where nasty odor was eeping out of it into the room Dahmer then for whatever reason brandished a knife and informed edwards he intended to take nude pictures of him in an attempt to appease Dahmer, though, Edwards unbuttoned his shirt, saying he would allow him to do so if he would remove the handcuffs and put the knife away. Very intelligently, and the first one who really tried and do this, then again, they, he wasn't drugged, so he had the opportunity, he kind of played into Dahmer's desires. In response to this promise, Dahmer simply turned his attention towards the TV. Edwards observed Dahmer rocking back and forth and chanting, he said, uh, uh, began chanting to himself, uh, he, he uh, said in a later interview. He then placed his head on Edward's chest, listened to the heartbeat, and with the knife pressed against his uh, intended victim, that he wanted, uh, told Edwards that he intended on eating his heart. Now, all of this comes from Edwards, and it's important <sighs> to note, and it's important to note that Dahmer has uh, said that's not how any of this went down. And I, it's weird to say, but I tend to believe Dahmer because he was fully ready to admit and to confess to everything, all his horrible actions, how they died. But this one, he said, this is not how it went down. So we don't know exactly what happened in that apartment, um, but we do know that Edwards survived. And according to Edwards, in, conti uh, in continuous attempts to prevent Dahmer from attacking him, he repeated that he was Dahmer's friend, and that he wasn't going to run away. This part, I believe, I truly believe this is what Edwards played into Dahmer's kind of insecurities. Edwards had decided that he was either going to jump from a window or run through the unlocked door upon the next available opportunity that got presented with him. 
when Edwards next uh, stated he needed to use the bathroom, he asked if they could sit with a beer in the if they could sit with a beer in the living room where there was air conditioning. Dahmer actually consented, and the pair walked to the living room from when Ed Edwards exited the bathroom. And inside the living room, Edwards waited until he observed Dahmer have a, a momentary lapse of concentration before requesting to use the bathroom again. So he got to use the bathroom, came out, they sat in the living room, waited a bit, and Edwards like, I gotta pee again. When Edwards rose from the couch, he noted Dahmer was not holding the handcuffs because he had unhandcuffed his hands at this point, where upon Edwards immediately punched Dahmer in the face, knocking Dahmer off balance and sprinted out the front door. So he just fucking cold clocked Dahmer. Well-deserved. Like, that was like the best way to get out. It was at this point, 11.30 p.m. on July 22nd, and Edwards flagged down the Milwaukee police officers, Robert Routh and Rolf Muller, in, uh, at the corner of North 25th Street. The officers noted Edward had a handcuffs about his wrist, whereupon the, he explained to the officers that a freak had placed handcuffs upon him and asked if the police officers would remove them. When the, officer when the officer's handcuff keys failed to fit the brand of handcuffs that he was wearing, Edwards agreed to accompany the officers to the apartment where he, uh, Edwards stated he had spent the previous five hours before getting to escape. When the officers and Edwards arrived at, at apartment 213, Dahmer simply invited the trio inside and acknowledged that he had indeed placed handcuffs upon Edwards, although he offered no explanation as to why he had done so. It's weird because unlike before with the kid where Eli was like, he's, you know, he's my gay lover, you know, things just got out of hand or whatever. He simply didn't offer an explanation. And it almost seems like as the cops walk into the apartment for the first time, the police entering his temple that he has created over the past 14 months, it's almost like it broke the spell. He becomes somewhat dejected. He stops attempting to explain things away. Um, and it's at this point, Edwards divulged to the officers that Dahmer had also brandished, brandished a large knife on him and that this had happened in the bedroom. Dahmer said nothing to this revelation, indicating to one of the officers, Muller, that the key to the handcuffs was in the bedside dresser. As Muller entered the bedroom, this is where uh, Dahmer attempted to pass Muller to retrieve the key himself. So as soon as he saw him go into the bathroom, Dahmer tried to step in front of him, like, I'll, I'll get the key, yeah, I'll get the key, no problem. Whereupon the second officer present, Routh, informed uh, Dahmer to back off. In the bedroom, Muller walked in and noted that there was a large knife beneath the bed. He saw an open drawer, which upon closer inspection, saw contained scores of Polaroid pictures, many of which were of human bodies in various stages of dis dismemberment. And Muller noted the, de uh, the decor indicated that had, they had been taken in the same apartment that they were just standing in right now. Muller walked in the living room to show them to his partner, uttering the words, these are for real. Like, I, I can't imagine being the cop to fucking walk into that room. You're, you're, you're traumatized for life. Like, you're, you're going to be dealing with that forever. It's like a movie set. Like, it can't, I don't even yeah. know what to even, I can't even, like, picture it outside of a cinematic vibe. Yeah. Uh, and when Dahmer had saw that Muller walked out with all these Polaroids, he immediately stood up and tried to get away, going for the front door and tried to fight the officers off in an attempt to resist arrest. However, the officers very quickly overpowered him, cuffed his hands behind his back and called the second squad car for backup. I can't believe he even At bothered this point, to like try. Yeah. 
That was it. He gave up at that point. Uh, he really didn't care anymore. At this point, Mueller opened the refrigerator to reveal the freshly severed head of uh, the, his previous victim on the bottom shelf. As Dahmer lay pinned on the floor beneath Routh, he turned his head towards the officer and muttered the words, for what I did, I should be dead. And now we see him fall into kind of the personality we will see him lean on for the rest of his existence. Feigning guilt, feigning regret, and feigning the desire to wish he had never done it all in the first Wants place. Wants to be famous, doesn't want to be hated but anymore. Exactly, and it's so important to remember, you know, as I said, every episode, look at his actions, not at his words. How he acted when things happened, the actions that he took, not the spin of a pathetic, sick individual that he would have wanted you to believe. A more detailed search of the apartment obviously was conducted by the police, uh, Milwaukee's Police Criminal Investigation Bureau, which revealed a total of four severed heads in Dahmer's kitchen, a total of seven skulls, some painted, some bleached, that were found in Dahmer's bedroom and inside a closet. Investigators discovered collected blood drippings upon a tray at the bottom of Dahmer's refrigerator, plus two human hearts, and a portion of an arm muscle, each wrapped inside plastic bags on the shelves. In Dahmer's freezer, investigators discovered an entire torso, plus a bag of human organs and flesh stuck to the ice at the bottom, like literally just freezer-burned body parts. And elsewhere in his apartment, investigators discovered two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and in the 57-gallon drum, three further dismembered torsos dissolving in the acid solution. A total of 74 Polaroid pictures detailing the dismemberment of Dahmer's victims were found. And in reference to the recovery of the body parts and artifacts on that, uh, in that apartment, the chief medical examiner later stated, quote, it was like dismantling someone's museum rather than an actual crime scene. Just insane amounts. And the fact <sighs> that all of this, all of this was in his apartment for over a fucking year. Beginning in the early hours of July 23rd, Dahmer was questioned by Detective Patrick Kennedy as to the murders he had committed and the evidence found in his apartment. Over the following two weeks, Kennedy and later Detective Dennis Murphy conducted numerous interviews with Dahmer, which when combined total, which combined totaled over 60 hours. Dahmer waived his right to a lawyer present throughout his interrogation, adding he wished to confess all as he had, quote, created this horror and it only makes sense I do everything to put an end to it. In a weird self-congratulatory heroic statement go fuck yourself like this is you don't get to take this moment and be the guy who brings clarity and peace that's not at all it's all it's all fucking facade regardless he did readily admit to having murdered 16 young men in wisconsin since 1987 with one further victim the very first one stephen hicks who he killed in ohio in 1978 most of his uh, victims had been rendered unconscious prior to their murder, as we all know, and how their murders went about, we don't need to necessarily go over all over again. When asked in November 18th of, 19, uh, of 1991 in an interview whom the altar was dedicated to, Dahmer simply replied, myself. It was a place where I could feel at home. He further described his intended altar as a place for meditation where he believed he could draw a sense of power, adding, if this... If this arrest had happened six months later, that's what they would have it's found. It's literally his fucking Splatoon locker. <laughs> what, a, what a fantastic comparison. It fucking what is. What a fantastic comparison. 
Um, obviously, his indictment, trial, and uh, conviction were rather rapid. On February 15th, the court reconvened to hear their verdict. Uh, Dahmer was ruled to be sane and not suffering from a mental disorder at the time of each of the 15 murders for which he was tried. Although in each count, two of the 12 jurors signified their dissent, um, which was because they believed him to be mentally ill. Uh, formal sentencing was postponed for just a couple of days. And on February 17th, Dahmer's attorney announced his client wished to address the court. When Dahmer then approached a lectern and read from a statement prepared by himself and his attorney as he faced the judge. In the statement, Dahmer emphasized that he had never desired freedom following his arrest, and which is clearly not true because he wrote a letter to the judge desiring freedom from his first arrest and that he frankly wished for his own death. He further stressed that none of his murders had been motivated by hatred, that he understood that nothing he either said or did could undo the terrible harm and he had caused that he had caused to the families of his victims in the city of Milwaukee, and that he and his doctors believed his criminal behavior had been motivated, motivated by mental disorders. Dahmer added that his medical knowledge uh, had given him some peace, and that although he understood that society would never forgive him, he then hoped God would. Bullshit. He fin Oh, agreed. In jail, uh, during his time that he was held in prison, he did confess, uh, go to, became like super Catholic, got involved in all of like the different uh, community stuff that he, uh, you could get involved to in prison. And by the v priest uh, that ran the chapel, not only got forgiven for his sins, but the priest completely believed that Dahmer truly regretted everything and that he was a changed Christian man by his So death. you're telling me this uh, sociopathic, narcissistic chameleon of society managed <laughs> to convince other people that the other times he was like hiding his shit this time he's not hiding. This time he's not doing this the same thing he was doing all the other times. This is totally different. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, That's exactly. so bogus. It's so stupid. Exactly. At the end of his statement, Dahmer closed with, quote, I know my time in prison will be terrible, but I deserve whatever I get because of what I have done. Thank you, Your Honor. And I am prepared for your sentence, which I know will be the maximum. I ask for no consideration. That's when he stopped speaking and returned to his seat, awaiting for formal sentencing. So again, you can see that if nobody looks any deeper, how easy it is to fall for this man's poor me act as he quote unquote kind of tries to take power back into his own hands by admitting guilt. Dahmer was then sentenced to life imprisonment plus 10 years upon the first two counts. The remaining 13 counts carried a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment plus 70 years. The death penalty was not an option for Judge Graham to consider at the penalty phase as Wisconsin had abolished capital punishment in 1853. Upon hearing of Dahmer's sentencing, his father Lionel and stepmother Sherry requested to be allowed a 10-minute private meeting with their son before he was transferred to the Columbia Correctional Institution in Portage to begin his sentence. The request was granted and the trio exchanged hugs and well wishes before Dahmer was escorted away. Three months after his conviction in Milwaukee, though, Dahmer would be extradited to Ohio to be tried for the murder, murder of his first victim, the hitchhiker Stephen Hicks. In Ohio, they kill people. <laughs> yeah, that they do. Whew. In a court hearing that lasted a whopping 45 minutes, Dahmer again pleaded guilty to the charges and was sentenced with his 16th life imprisonment term on May 1st, 1992, right before my birthday. Right before my birthday. 
Upon sentencing, Dahmer was then transferred to Columbia Correctional Institution for the first year of his incarceration. Incarceration. Dahmer was placed in solitary confinement because they were basically afraid he would get per- murdered by inmates. Yeah, the, like the, was, the Ohio prisoners would have killed his ass. Yeah. Yeah. So they put him in solitary confinement for a year. He received ample correspondence from individuals across the world with several individuals donating money, which he spent on items such as cassette recording, stationery, cigarettes, magazines. With Dahmer's consent, after one year in solitary confinement, he was transferred to a less secure unit where he was assigned a two-hour daily work detail cleaning the toilet block. So there, again, serial killers, unfortunately, weirdly hit this fandom in kind of... I want to say public consciousness, but it's a very American thing too. Uh, the Dahmer had fans, people who found him hot, sending him letters, you know, love letters, money. It's crazy that like it was, but it happened, and I'm sure it made him feel much more comfortable in uh, in his in his confinement. Shortly after completing his lengthy confessions in 1991, Dahmer then requested to Detective Murphy that he be given a copy of the Bible. This request was granted and Dahmer gradually devoted himself to Christianity and became a born-again Christian. On his father's urging, he also read creationist books from the Institution of Creation Research. And in May 1994, Dahmer was baptized by Roy Ratcliffe, a minister in the Church of Christ and a Barf. graduate of Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a graduate of Oklahoma Christian University in the prison whirlpool, whatever, like that's like the section of he was focused on. Following Dahmer's baptism, Ratcliffe visited him on a weekly basis up until November 94. Dahmer and Ratcliffe regularly discussed the prospect of death, and Dahmer questioned whether he was sinning against God by continuing to live. Referring to his crimes in 1994 uh, with an interview with Stone Phillip on Dateline NBC, Dahmer stated, quote, If a person doesn't think that there is a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to, uh, what's the point in trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought anyway. So basically, why be a good guy if there's no God? Which is just the dumbest fucking thought. How about just be a good guy because it's, it's it's nice, it's kind just to be good to out. others. Yeah, yeah just, ha- just you know, be chill. Make other Those people are the people you got to worry. If they're like, hey, if you're listening right now and you know anyone who's like... I'm only, I'm only yeah, good because I'm, I'm a good Catholic. I'm only good because... I am afraid of punishment. And like, bro, you're not good. Watch out for that person. That person is a scumbag. You're not good if you're just trying to not get punished. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know, man. I don't see how the freaking D, uh, the priest guy, uh, Roy Ratcliffe. I, I don't know. I don't know how he got duped by him, but maybe there's like, I wonder if there's a part of him that's like, if he can get this man to convert, it's like a big score because he got like this most evil man that he can possibly think of to turn to God and save his soul. I just, I wonder if that was part of his um, motivation to do so. Not that it matters at this point. Not that it fucking matters. Uh, regardless, it Dahmer's life was at a close end as it was. On July 3rd, 1994, a fellow inmate, Osvaldo Dorothy, attempted to slash Dahmer's throat with a razor embedded in a toothbrush as Dahmer sat in the prison chapel after the weekly church service was finished. So they waited till church was done, and then they tried to slash Dahmer's throat. 
Dahmer only received superficial wounds and was not seriously hurt from this particular incident. And according to Dahmer's family, he had long been ready to die and accepted any punishment which he might endure in prison. And I, I think that's correct. Not necessarily for, I don't know what the reason the family had, but I think, I mean, they asked him to leave uh, solitary confinement after a year and he agreed and he continued to stay that way even after this attempt on his life. I think to Dahmer, life without killing was not a life he wanted to live anymore, but he also didn't have the, the wherewithal to what? take his own life. So he, I think he put himself in a situation where he could get killed instead. I do think Dahmer ended up getting suicidal, but it was for selfish reasons and not the reason, you know, like I think he just was like, I can't murder. I'm not allowed to live my life. He hates it. Think about it. Remember when he went out for Thanksgiving, he had 10 hours and he couldn't even keep his fucking dick in his pants for 10 hours and attempt to kill somebody. He just got reversed. He got Uno reverse card uh, and that, and, you know, that particular experience. Regardless, in addition uh, to his father and stepmother maintaining regular contact, Dahmer's mother, Joyce, who also maintained regular contact with her son, prior to his arrest, the two had not seen each other since the Christmas of 1983, which we talked about in like episode two, I think. Joyce related that in her weekly phone calls, whenever she expressed concern for her son's physical well-being, Dahmer responded with comments to the effect of, it doesn't matter, mom. I don't care if something happens to me. And that something did eventually come for him, and on the, mo the morning of November 28th, 94, Dahmer left his cell to conduct his assigned work detail. Accompanying him were two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. The trio left, were left unsupervised in the showers of the prison gym for approximately 20 minutes. At approximately 8.10 a.m., Dahmer was discovered on the floor of the bathrooms of the gym, suffering from extreme head wounds. He had been severely bludgeoned about the head and face with a 20-inch, which is 55-centimeter, metal bar in almost like a poetic karmic way as because he killed his first victim with the the dumbbell bar if you remember from his workout crew uh with from his workout gear his head had also been repeatedly struck against the wall in the assault so he like was getting head slammed into the wall as he was getting beat by a metal bar although Dahmer was still alive and was rushed to a nearby hospital he was pronounced dead only one hour later Anderson had been beaten with the same instrument and two days later, Anderson also died from his wounds. So the guy killed both of them. Fuck. Scarver, who was serving a life sentence for a murder committed in 1990, informed authorities he had first attacked Dahmer with the metal bar as Dahmer was cleaning a staff locker room before attacking Anderson as Anderson cleaned an inmate locker room. According to Scarver, Dahmer did not yell or make any noise as he was attacked. Immediately after attacking both men, Scarver, who was thought to be schizophrenic, returned to his cell and informed a prison guard. God told me to do it. Jesse Anderson and Jeffrey Dahmer are dead. Scarver was adamant that he had not planned to attack in advance, although he later divulged to investigators that he had concealed a 20-inch iron bar used to kill both men in his clothing shortly before the killings. And that is the impromptu violent end for a violent, horrible <sighs> man known as Jeffrey Dahmer. I... His body would be cremated and his ashes would be divided between his parents. I am emotionally, physically, and imaginationally exhausted. Me too. And it's done. And it's so... His ending is fitting, though I much prefer someone rot in prison than get the death sentence, live your life miserable and alone forever. Um, but if you're going to get killed, get killed in the way you killed your first victim. Like, I, I don't want to, like... I don't want to associate 
him with any sort of modern narcissist. But the way, uh, you know, sociopathic narcissist people always make it about, like, the, them being the victim is yeah. so gross and so messed up. And the fact that he's like, I guess I deserve to die. Isn't I don't want to make God mad. It's like, fuck you, dude. Yep. Shut up. It's all so manipulation. Gross. It's gross. He's a pathetic worm. He's not guilty. He, I mean, he's not feeling guilt for his crimes. He doesn't feel or he never felt. No, he regret. just says that stuff because it's like he knows people want to hear it. And it worked. And yeah. it worked. And it still kind of works to this day, which is what's crazy to me is that as people learn about Dahmer, you know, Gen Z's getting in like getting into true crime and they're learning about these people. The 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 line that they are that Dahmer was a just a sick but truly maybe an empathetic person is a lie. And it's the same thing for the Menendez brothers, which one day we will cover the people who killed their parents and how they very meticulously, with help over years in prison, crafted a lie where they were poised as victims of sexual assault from their father. And it's just not true. But they it's so convincing and they just spew it so often. And when there's not anybody doing true deep dives, that's what dominates. We see that that like unless somebody can like retort, that shit just settles in people's that's minds. People desperately want to believe that there is good in everyone. And sometimes yeah. people, you know Sometimes there's not. There's yeah, just not sometimes, sometimes there's just bad people. And that sucks. It sucks for the world. And you know, it's what it is what just, it is. But we all exactly. desperately want to be like you know, if only there was something that we could have done. Even on this show, we're like, you know, he, he could have got out and become a chicken salesman, or he could have got out and, like, we just want to believe that there was a moment. But it's very obvious that there was never going to be a moment ever. Yeah, no. this, is an idea of that, this is an idea that people prey on all the time, even to just get people to feel a certain way in politics or whatever, that, like, mm -hmm. every disaster, every awful tragedy is, like, preventable if you, like, do make the right choices. I mean, in this case, just not. in this case, I feel like there were some choices that could have been made that would have stopped this at, some, at earlier <laughs> yes. points. But you're not going to by stop everybody him. other than Dahmer multiple times over years. But you're not going to stop him from existing. Correct. Right. And I think while the fascination of a true crime can be kind of looked at from both sides of good and bad, I also think you know there's a value to learning how these people work and operate and think to see who these people truly are and to kind of educate yourselves on what some red flags may be from people who seem innocuous at front. And especially the generational trauma. All these stories involve oh God, yeah. either a mother things. or a father who has gone through some fucked up shit and that is forced on their kids. Whether they want to or not, they're putting it on them and then the kid ends up being way... It's just compounding. And man, that's so... It's so sad. That that's yeah. that it ends up this way. Plus societal pressures and trauma. Like it's it's very clear all the things that went wrong. Looking back at it, and you're just like, how how yeah. did how could we possibly have let something like this happen? And you but hope then you look back and you're like, oh my god, there were signs were all there. You hope that lessons were learned and you hope that we're better for it. But deep down, you're just like, boy, I don't know if Man, we are staring to the void. Don't bury, don't bury history. You're doomed to repeat it if you do. And while, sir, we're making entertainment and monetizing this shit, Dahmer, is, it's still important to know the truth and not to glorify who these people were for the sake of entertainment value. On that, I know people have asked me. I haven't watched it, the Netflix Dahmer series. I haven't watched it. I have no opinion on it. I'm sure I have it's not good. Seen I'm it. sure it's like well I'm made. I'm sure it's yeah. well produced. Just have no interest in watching it. 
And that's just my thing. Have you watched it, Jesse? Did you watch it at all? No. I, uh, yeah, this, I'm not like a big let's deep dive. This, yeah, the this stuff is that all I want to watch new, yeah. is the one show that we watched for uh, uh, Rotten Popcorn, which was which the one? dude, which like one? the guy, the whatever. Oh, oh, McAfee, the McAfee yeah, that guy. Uh, story. Yeah, that I already forgot his great. name. That's how unimportant he is to me. But like, that's what I want. Like, that dude isn't going around like, you know, being brutally no. awful. He's terrible. He's, but yeah. I can stomach it. Like, I don't want to sit there and watch Dahmer. Yeah. Dahmer repeat. Just like what we just did. I don't know if you felt it, but what we just did, Alex and I slowly were just like, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like we were less and less ready it's to bummer. accept what was it's happening. It's a bummer. Yeah. It's a bummer. It's yeah. always a bummer. Yeah. It's always a bummer. Um, but. You know, we'll take a we'll take a break now between a little bit of true crime break. We'll do something else in between. We didn't do we we are due to do a listener stories because it's our Halloween special and we obviously missed no, it. No, this, no, this no, 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 no. You okay? Where's my goddamn Greenstone, Alex? It's time. It's, it's time. always been there. Can you provide Greenstone episode three? I don't next care what happens next week. Alex is doing Greenstone. No. It's happening. It's no, ha okay. I refuse I to wait. Week. I'm not waiting any longer. All right. Well, then, Jesse, I'll present you the Greenstone, the, the Green Boulder Part One next week. Don't we'll you, don't you dare! Are you talking about the Redstone? Stop it! All right, right. Yeah, we have to do the Redstone <laughs> before we can finish the Greenstone. Actually, you made you made a good point. We're off to do a mini sode. Thank you guys so much for your support on Patreon and all the places. If you love the podcast, hey, drop us a review. It does wonders for us. And again, we were uh, thank you guys for getting us on the True Crime charts for like three weeks straight. That was really fucking sick. Bang bang bang! Very much appreciate that too. Uh, we're off to go to the Minnesota. We love you. Goodbye. Bye. Anyway, me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside, and after a few moments, I hear my wife go, Holy shit, get out here. So I quickly dash back outside, and she's looking up at the sky in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky.